0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Look Down There, the show where we talk about all the things we don't talk about. I'm your host, Michelle Amor. From retail merchandising to dominatrixing to becoming an on-screen performer and then winning the XBiz Rise Peer Empowerment Award, To becoming a sex worker, rights activist, and published writer, my guest has made her way to becoming a top influencer among her peers in the competitive adult industry. She is now acting as the industry relations advocate for the Free Speech Coalition and as an up-and-coming intimacy coordinator for TV and film. Please welcome my guest today, the powerhouse that is Lotus Lane. Hey,
1: Lotus. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. You you know, you
0: can just like play that as your alarm clock when you wake up in the morning. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I love that. I love the way you announced that. So yes, definitely. That's like what I need to pump me up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just Why please welcome the powerhouse, <laughs> <Lane>. Snooze. No,
1: <laughs> uh, and I rise. <laughs>
0: oh. Well, I'm I'm so happy to see you. Um, we just spent some time together in New York um, because we're both training as intimacy coordinators with IDC professionals, and you know we both. I'm I, well. I'll speak for myself. Um, but I definitely had nerves and jitters coming into that weekend and I feel like a lot of people did as well so you know walking into the room and then having you like immediately come up to me um, was like very calming and really nice Um, so thank you for extending yourself in that way
1: Yeah, of course. I was so excited to see you because, yeah, I did have some nerves going into that weekend. Um, I noticed that I didn't really know anyone else that was going into that training. Um, So then when I saw your name pop up, I was like, whoa, I do follow her on Instagram. So this is going to be cool. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, And I feel like, you know, we share a lot of similarities in the fact that, you know, we're, we're both in really hyper exposed fields uh, as yeah. it is like putting ourselves out there already. So it's nice to have someone else in the group that, you know, gets it and has been yeah. naked on camera for a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. That's why I feel like I was excited to see you because, I mean, actually people are, are very comforting and you know accommodating and not um stigmatizing to my face at least um but it's really nice to see someone that yeah has been out there and exposed themselves out there in the public sphere in a way that like other people that haven't like you know we can understand that
0: yeah yeah So how did you get into this? Like, have you always been a natural performer or is it like one day you woke up and said, you know what, I'm going to do this. (laughs)
1: Um, I think I always have been a natural performer. I did like junior theater growing up and those kinds of things, uh, musical theater. Um, But then as you grow up, you know, you have to make money and have a life and all of that. And all of the other things that I was doing, like retail fashion and hotel hospitality, they just weren't fulfilling in my twenties. And then when I was approaching 30, I was like, I want to do something grand, something I've always wanted to do. And I was like, wow, deep down inside, I've always wanted to be a part of like the sex industry and do something there. So I gifted myself as a dirty 30 gift, um, my entrance into the porn industry and the sex world dominatrix, everything opened up to me. And it was, it's been really fun and liberating.
0: Yeah. So what, what was that gift? What was that dirty 30 gift?
1: Um, just the, uh, that I allowed myself to, uh, explore my exhibitionist side. Um, I think maybe I always held back on that because of the way other people perceived me growing up. Like I'm a good girl, you know, I get good grades. So you're supposed to, be modest and all of this stuff and um if you're being an exhibitionist then it's because you're acting out because of all of these past traumas and things that have happened and i felt like i never really felt fit that mold so i was like oh i guess i can't go there and then it was a gift to myself to just be like fuck all of that let all of that go um And just like, do what you've always wanted to do, you know? So instead of holding myself back because I'm thinking about what everyone else thinks about me, I I allowed myself to just be what it was I was feeling inside. And now I am the full me.
0: Yes, good. Full (laughs) expression. That's great. So I remember what it was like after my first time on stage doing Burlesque. Um, What was it like after your first time exploring this industry?
1: I think it was surprising. Cause I had different moments of realization. Like the first time I stripped, I was really nervous. I was like 19. I thought I was, you know, the wrong body and all this stuff. And the, the customer, the guy came up to me and asked for a private dance. And I was like, Whoa, like I'm cute enough for that. I don't even know how to dance. You know, um, those <laughs> kinds of moments where you're just, where you, all these insecurities that play in your head kind of, um, get reflected back to you as the things that are awesome and sexy about you. Um, so even in my first like, um, porn performance, uh, afterwards, it just felt like I had really good sex and then I'm getting paid for it. So why should I feel ashamed about this? It, it mm-hmm. was, yeah. It, like, let me let go of all these things that I was holding on to.
0: Yeah. So did that help? T- were you kind of like acting as if, or did you go into it with, with the confidence or did the confidence kind of work itself from the outside in? And it definitely, back out again. Yeah, it
1: definitely worked itself from the outside in. Um, it was, you know, um, those things in your mind with that, that are like, Oh, like go into it. Um, like pretending to be what you want to be kind of thing. So I wasn't like all the way confident as my full Lotus self, like I am now, but I think after I had those experiences of not being completely rejected, humiliated, or, you know, told that you're too ugly to be here or you don't know how to dance or you're not sexy. Just all these things that I thought would happen didn't, it, it, you know, it just made me realize, wow, I need to, I need to stand in my, my purpose and know who I am. Like I am sexy. I am bomb. I can do this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What is your purpose and what is your intention when you go and you perform?
1: My intention is to be authentic, honestly. Um, That was even like my whole reason for wanting to explore myself in the sex industry. It wasn't um, to become famous. It wasn't to put on some fake persona. It was to actually like release a persona that has always been contained inside of me, which is like my sexual self. So I feel like my purpose is to empower others that may see a part of themselves in me, whether it's like, because I'm natural as a performer, I don't have augmentations and things like that. Like a natural body can be explored and can be expressive and celebrated. And the fact that I make a public you know, statement about not like altering my appearance because of pressures, because of the sex industry and things like that. And just developing my, my body and look as it naturally is. Um, I hope that is something that I'm giving to people that, that when they see me, they can see like, Oh, you know, she doesn't have like a perfect abs. There's like, she's had a baby and she's still confident in having her body out there. Like, I think that too much times as women, we think like, Oh, well this happened to me. i you know, past thirty, like I can't be showing my body off. That's that's you know un, unheard of, unacceptable. But I want people to accept themselves in all forms and all ages.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and seeing that and having more representation in that is so important. Um, but it can definitely be hard to kind of stand firm. And in that, like, I feel that too, even in burlesque, like, you know, that there are these standards, right. Even though burlesque may be more open and more accepting of other types, I, but I still feel that kind of pressure and maybe that's just like residual world stuff, or maybe, you know, seeing like who's getting the bigger gigs or or yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so still like, experiencing that but it is important to me as well to be authentic and we you know whatever form that that takes yeah. um so you're doing this you you went to kind of like exploring it dabbling here and then it's like boom full-time full-time lotus um, yeah. <laughs> so like for me when I'm doing things like this like I sometimes I'm just like, God, like, I don't want to have to rely on being sexy or portraying sexuality to make money. And that can be really exhausting and tiring. Do you ever feel like that? And if you do, how do you kind of come around to it?
1: Yeah, totally, totally feel that. uh, Because I, I feel like my sexual prowess comes in waves you know like i'll go through the extremely horny phases where it's just like i want to have sex i want to experiment and do all this sexy stuff and then there's moments where i'm like i still enjoy sex and being around sexual things but i don't necessarily want to be the one that's like evoking the sexuality because yeah it can be exhausting and i think just with anything if you do it too much like the specialness wears off Um, so for me, you know, coming into intimacy coordinator training was one way of still kind of being involved in all of the sexy things that I enjoy and like and creative, um, but also being able to not be in the center of attention of it. Um, so that takes the pressure off of having to worry about my body or my eating intake or, you know, energy levels in, in different things when you're the person in front of the camera on the stage or whatnot.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really hard to stay true to that like authentic self when you're like just super not feeling it.
1: <laughs> yeah, know you're, like period bloated, or maybe yeah. out last night, so you're a little hungover or something, or maybe you just had a really emotional day and you're like, I'm not sexy. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, <my laughs> oh my god, those like um, emo- those like I've had those days where it's just emotional breakdown, and then I'm like, you know, hot seductress at night, and I'm like, this feels awful. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no. Yeah, but I feel I totally feel that like and what drew me to intimacy coordination as well. Um but do you feel any kind of cuz you're so used to being in front of the camera, right? And so this is a very behind the scenes behind the behind uh kind of position. Do you feel like any kind of dissonance with that or do you feel like you can you can still have the best of both worlds?
1: Um, I mean, there is sort of like a feeling of, I guess we kind of like touched on it a little when we were talking in person, but yeah, I wonder how much of my performance Lotus self is still acceptable while I develop my, um, intimacy coordinator Lotus self and, and still, um, maintain a professional, um, respect about myself because the truth is I do respect myself, but other people that have attitudes and stigmas and preconceived notions about people that have done any kind of sex work may not feel my empowerment, you know? So that is something that I always have in the back of my mind of like, I've been lucky so far that I haven't had a major like head button moment with that, but that's not to say it won't come up in the future. And I just wonder will it be like on a job that I find really precious and it'll be hard to leave? Or will it be in a moment where, you know, I'm caught off guard and put on blast in front of everybody. You never know. So that does sometimes it does sometimes play in my mind.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely feeling that and thinking about those things as well and just, um, you know, kind of being aware of how others perceive what it is that I do or what it is that you do and just kind of carrying that with you. Cause like, yes, you and I, we can both respect ourselves and feel empowered in what it is that we're doing. But also I feel super hyper aware of how people perceive me. And, you know, and so for that reason, I feel like I have to try extra hard, twice as hard, three times as hard to just be like, no,
1: I'm cool. I'm me- smart. <laughs> you can talk to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes me feel like, like in moments when I'm going to switch over to, I see like de sexing myself, you know, demystify, like, you know, taking the sexiness away, maybe making myself more neutral, more, um, tomboyish, you know, like
0: that. Yeah, but I struggle with that because I've spent so much time finding my power, working yeah. with my power, that I don't want to feel that I have to diminish myself to make others feel more comfortable. So I'm struggling with that.
1: It, it, is a, it is a difficult, you know, line to balance on because, yeah, I feel the same way. Growing up, I wasn't like the super cute, like hot girl that people went after, you know, I was an awkward friend of hot girl's. Um, (laughs) I was like tomboy, best friend of guys, you know? So for me, that was another thing I gave myself at 30. It was like the ability to be sexy, fully like womanly sexy. So yeah, it does suck in a way to feel like, like even just as women, regardless of having done any kind of like sexy jobs um, that we feel like we have to diminish our own sexiness in order to be taken seriously, because I definitely don't see men diminishing their manliness to be taken seriously. If anything, they exert it more, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: So what does sexy mean to you? What does that mean to like exert
1: sexiness? Um, honestly, I think it's like, um, maintaining eye contact, like maybe slow eye contact, not darting eyes away. Um, maybe talking a little bit slower, um, and more like engaged with who you're talking with. Um, maybe like movements when I'm walking that have more hips way to it. Um, just being like me, it's just being a little bit more mindful and graceful.
0: Mm, yeah. Like a bit more grounded.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So what helps to keep you grounded?
1: I think, uh, yeah, getting into daily yoga has really helped. Um, that makes me feel really good, um, and sexy afterwards and all like fresh and worked out and stretched out. Um, yeah, being healthy, honestly, that makes me feel grounded. Um, eating healthy, you know, drinking water. I know all this sounds boring, but all of that, it really does make me feel good inside, you know,
0: Yeah, no, there's nothing boring about feeling good. Yeah, And what, like, what, what does that take for us to feel good? It's like, it's going to take something different for all of us. Right. And, you know, I absolutely feel the best when I am working out and I'm eating like things that are good for my body and and knowing how different foods affect me, like knowing that there are foods that I absolutely do not touch because I know it's going to put me in this moody, emotional roller coaster. And yeah. honestly, like those few moments of, of joy from, uh, that croissant is not going to be worth it when I'm like super depressed for days afterwards.
1: <laughs> I, I agree, you know, cause I've had my binge eating moments where I'm just like, I don't care. I'm going to just gorge on this, but then like Afterwards, it's the feeling of, okay, now I have to like work out to get my stomach back flat flat after all this mess. So yeah, it does feel good to just kind of maintain. I know how much I can like indulge without going over the edge. And yeah, that feels good now knowing, knowing exactly how my body works.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So you've done so much work in this industry, like not only are you a performer, but you're also an activist and a writer and an advocate. Um, so what, what is your vision for this industry? Like, how do you hope to kind of turn the tides if you want to turn the tides, but you know, what, what are you thinking for your, for the, the vision of what this could be?
1: Well, honestly, I hope that, um, with The training that I'm getting at IDC in intimacy coordinating and the foothold that I already have in the adult industry, I can kind of like bring some of the practices and make them part of our industry standards in the adult industry. Because what I realized after being in there now 10 years is a lot of what exists only exists because no one ever tried to change anything because we just feel like, hey, it's working. I'm going to make money. I'm going to go home. I'm going to come back and do the same thing. And that's cool and all, but at the same time, like um, we have the room to innovate in our industry. Um, It's not like all of this is set in stone, like whether it be like the way productions are run or the way testing standards are done. Like I want to implement the kind of consent forward thinking and non-violent communication kind of ways of holding space and empowering people into so many more aspects of life. I I mean, it's crazy because yes, adult industry is one, but I mean, God, in a perfect world, even like um, colleges, universities and other school campuses would be learning these kinds of concepts from us because I think the sooner humans of all ages kind of learn these things, the better we can treat all of each other um, in, in in any job, in any life moment.
0: Right. Yeah. Like it's not just exclusive to sex, the sex industry, yeah. um, you know, or simulated sex industry yeah or,
1: yeah, or just TV and film.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, um, life-changing work. I mean, it's changed my life completely. Um, it's definitely th- thrown, um, a lot of things upside down for me and inside out, um as you start looking back and thinking about you know consent and what it is that you may have consented to that maybe you didn't want to consent to but felt like you had to consent to, and just kind of it just shines a really different light on the industry and also you know, how things are changing like I think that I think that there's room for growth, right, but it's a matter of like, okay, consent is not just yes and no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like it's very nuanced and there's a lot to, to talk about. So, so bringing that into the, the sex industry, it would be incredible.
1: Yeah. Yes. That's, you know, that's my major goal and hope is to kind of get production studios and production managers and agents and directors on board with learning this language. And hopefully they can start implementing that into the practice of when they're working with new performers that have never been exposed to this stuff because they're coming like straight from college, high school, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. If we did teach this at an earlier age, you know, so many of us would already have this in our natural toolbox for how to interact with each other.
0: Right. Yeah. So tell me about your work with the Free Speech Coalition and, and how that came to be.
1: Yeah. So how that came to be is around like, 2015 or 16, I took a a hiatus break from the adult industry after being in for like three or four years. Um, just because I needed to get my head straight. I was like, what am I doing? Do I want to keep doing this? You know, you could get caught up in all of the whirlwind of what's happening. And I realized like one of the main reasons I wanted to get in the adult industry was because I wanted to help make things better in some way. And then I realized, well, I have all this knowledge and free speech coalition existed as our industry's trade organization, but they didn't have a, they only had studio heads as like representatives. And I was like, you need a performer representative. So I pitched my position to the executive director and they hired me on as the industry advocate. And so I kind of like made my position um and ever since then i've made it my mission to kind of um empower and educate newcomers so i created this program called inspire which is industry newcomer support program it really exists <laughs> so because the the whole thing about the adult industry porn industry that people find scary is that there's so many pitfalls that you could fall into that just like you succumb to and, you know, bring you under. And then it's like you bottom out. And I wanted to prevent that from happening as much as I could by putting information out there that That people need when you enter the industry. A lot of the stuff that we learned was hearsay, or maybe on your fifth set, or maybe on your 10th set, you hear how you're supposed to actually be running your business. And that's what I think was setting people up for a lot of failure because not everyone is equipped to go through so many bad advice situations or bad run-ins with the wrong kind of people until they figure things out. And so I interviewed and ask questions of a lot of uh, people that already exist in our industry of just how they they survived and thrived and made this a business as opposed to this is just what's happening to me type of mm-hmm. situation.
0: Yeah, and I, I really do think performers make the best advocates. You know, it's something that I've been, you know, I've been producing shows for ever and ever and also doing, um, you know, my own, Sexy shorts and things like that. So it's so crazy to me when people don't understand what it is that a performer needs. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's just very simple things. And it just, they just Mm -hmm. don't even... Think about it, you know, like we're just little pieces in their their Yeah,
1: like wind up dolls. Yeah,
0: like just, <laughs> oh, we don't need to be comfortable. We don't need a place to sit.
1: Yeah. um, we need, um temperature regulation so we're not yeah. sweating too much or freezing our asses off. Um, we don't yeah. need like healthy, energetic snacks as opposed to like donuts and pizza, like people who have crazy things like that on, on sets where we're gonna be naked like showing our body being judged for our bodies as well. And it's just like little things like robes and water and, you know, a fan Mm -hmm. checking in. If someone's been doing like strenuous positions, yeah. Offering breaks, um, not pressuring them to hurry the fuck up. So we can finish this day type of stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, for (laughs) sure. For sure. Um, so I know because of what you're, you're doing, you're doing a lot of, um, speeches. So was it tough for you to move from, uh, mo- you know, communicating with your body versus communicating with your voice or did that go hand in hand, easy breezy for you?
1: Oh no, it was super hard because I think for me, I realize I'm very comfortable just talking in conversations, but then when I'm, told to speak to an audience, it's like, Oh God, I'm freaking out. And I'm thinking about how I look and what I'm saying and all this stuff. And I'm going to forget all these things. And in a performance, like with my body, a sexual performance, I don't know. I'm just very in tune with my body. So I feel it. So I'm not thinking as much. It's just natural movements. So yeah, I remember the first speech that I did. I, I don't remember the year, but it was probably like around 2017 or something like that. Um and it was like at the May Day March in downtown LA. And I was like the first sex worker by ACLU asked to speak on behalf of sex workers.
0: Ooh, like, it's it, a lot of pressure. Yes, I know.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so I, I didn't even I, I honestly I didn't even write my own speech. I had like a um, my RPR communications person at free speech college. And I was like, can you just write this for me? I don't even know what to say. And I was like reading it off of a piece of paper, but I think that kind of thing and having that experience. And then afterwards feeling like, damn, I really wish I would have written my own words and gotten out of my head and stopped being so nervous about it and just like do it and commit to it. Now, after so many different moments of speaking, I I feel comfortable that I'm the one speaking now. And even if it's just writing a loose, because I don't really write speeches, I'll write like a loose outline of things I want to say. And that is the way I now am able to bring my words to the forefront and not go blank to where I need someone else to speak for me. Yeah,
0: I feel like when I do things like that, my I feel like I black out and get like tunnel vision and I just hear my voice and everything is very hyper focused. It's really strange. Um,
1: yeah, I I feel like that was the exact experience I was having. And then I'd focus on someone in the audience and then I'm like, what are they thinking? And I'm like, what am I even saying now? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, my mouth is moving. I hear sounds. I don't know. Um, I feel like it can
0: be kind of scary to use your voice these days. Um, as people are so ready to jump down everyone's throat, if you say the wrong thing, I mean, that's definitely something that I know, I allow to get in my way. Um, How, how do you kind of combat that threat of cancellation?
1: I know. Right. Yeah. I, I try to be very mindful with my words and I, I tend to talk very fast. So I try to slow down so I can think of the words I'm about to say. So I don't accidentally say something crazy. That's super offensive. That I wouldn't say I'm just like, like word vomiting because I'm like speaking too quickly. So I, I just, I try and be mindful of my audience and I try and be mindful of, of the way I need to speak. So that way they're hearing me and not reacting to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just watched, um, your speech. I don't know when it was, I think it was like Horde day. Oh, it was like your epic day. fuck off fuck everything speech. <laughs> 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 uh yeah, you just started yelling fuck in the microphone and it seemed um really cathartic. Uh <laughs> It was. It was. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: tell me about that moment. That was interesting. Yeah. Well, I was also mad because my original Thought was I wanted to have a trash can with like literally burning, you know, like how there's like these book burnings happening by all the conservatives and they're burning books. I wanted to do like a, a bad law burning, you know, of like these bad laws that they're doing like that, you know, revoking abortion and SESTA-FOSTA and like all this other dumb shit that's just like kind of like ruining the freedom that we are supposed to have in this free country, supposedly. So yeah, yeah, that was a lot of my anger there. But yeah, so I basically wanted to just give us a moment because I know that the speeches before that, some were informative and some were really like deep and introspective. And I wanted to just have a moment to rage out about all of this injustice that keeps happening, saying that sex work and, you know, adult work and porn is a public health crisis when we literally have like school shootings and, you know, massive like COVID deaths and the next pandemic happening yet. The politicians are focused on regulating people's bodies and and you know pleasure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the thing that I really appreciated about it is like the full confrontation of anger. And I feel like that's something that we don't allow ourselves to really express because anger can feel and be really scary or we're taught not to get angry yeah. and just to suppress it, um, which causes all sorts of other issues. Um, so it was kind of great to have this like rage party, you know, cause like you were yelling and then the audience was yelling and it just felt like everyone was like finally giving us a space to get fucking mad like get uh, mad the shit yeah. is maddening right yeah, it is you know I I fully believe anger is a tool for creation I mean yes you can absolutely get stuck in it get paralyzed in it for sure but goddamn like just having that moment to just scream and yell and rage yeah. is so important
1: yeah, it felt good. And it felt good to hear the audience yelling back. Like they had shit to get off their mind too. Um, so yeah, I feel like we need that more moments to just rage out because I think outside of just like partying, there's really no moments to rage, you know, because it does seem like, Oh, you're unhinged. You're mad. Mm (laughs) Yes. There's a lot of shit to be mad about. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Why aren't you mad? (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. So one last question before I let you go. Um, if anybody is considering, uh, getting into this industry or even just, you know, consuming it, um, how would you, where would you, um, send them to watch and how would you direct them to kind of get into it if they want to give themselves a dirty 32
1: yeah okay cool um definitely if you're looking for stuff to watch and you're into like not the mainstream thing that's always front and center out there on the tube sides i think um pink and white productions is really great they have what i consider like looks like real hookups um, on the crash pad series. So I really love that because they don't direct the couples on what kind of fucking they're going to do. The couples decide for themselves. So you see a lot of really like unique forms of pleasure coming out of it. Um, so that's really fun. Black touch is one, if you like seductive BDSM, um, and it's like BLK touch. So that's, that's one that I really enjoy. Um, Jetset at Jasmine and King Noir are both like two incredibly sexy people. They're married and they do their BDSM and kinky stuff together and with other people. So that's very fun. I've worked with, um, King Noir and it is amazing. <laughs> awesome. and, um, yeah. If you want to, um, get into it, I would say even follow any of those people, follow myself, um, see the advice that we're talking about, but really you can you can just get in with your own phone nowadays you know people have fan direct to fan sites so a lot of amateur stuff people upload on their own to the tube sites there's so many avenues now to get into the adult industry or sexy performance but if you want to be professional and go the professional route and get professional bookings you probably absolutely need an agent um and there are a number of different porn agencies out there i would say Make sure that the one that you're looking at is licensed in the state of California because that's where most productions happen. and also licensed in Florida because some work may happen over there. But above all, licensed because anyone can just say they're an agent, but you have to check their license.
0: Um, cool. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank so, you for that.
1: Okay, so where can people follow you? Me on social media. I'm across the board at, there's a little at symbol, it's Lotus Lane. So type the it's, before my name, I T S L O T U S L A I
0: N. Yeah, because that's the official one. No yeah. fakers. And They're sometimes you got to type in the whole damn thing because yes. we like to get shadow banned. <laughs>
1: we don't like it, but they like to keep us there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, Lotus, thank you so much for joining me today. It's so fun to to chat with you more. And I'm so looking forward to working with you more in all these trainings.
1: Me too. Me too. This is wonderful.
0: Yeah. All right, everybody. Time to spread the love. Tell your friends, tell your lovers, tell everyone in between. Um, go and follow at It's Lotus Lane. And you can follow us here at I Look Down There or me at Michelle Moore. And remember that confidence comes from the bottom up. So grab a mirror and look down there. Until next time. Bye.